This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Mike said refers to himself as just a waiter who got lucky. As his website puts it, after 27 years in the hospitality industry, he brings his own brand of humor and understanding to the weird and wonderful world of marketing. I can testify to that. I recently attended one of his workshops on social media and digital marketing hosted by AutSA and was impressed by his innovation, creativity, and certainly his sense of humor. I asked him to be my guest today to tell his story. Mike, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Mike, you started off as a waiter. I did indeed. At the time, I was working at Sunlum as a broker consultant, and it was the days before the CCMA. So I had a fallout with my boss, and sure enough, the next day I was looking for work. Unsure what to do at the time, I actually wanted to travel and thought, what's the easiest way to make a little bit of money? And I walked into a restaurant called Tijuana 220 in Rosebank. A lot of people remember it. They probably left their dignity there and a few rand. Um, and I found myself sitting in front of the very imposing figure of Ben Fulmalta. These are the days before Megan Bean. And I actually asked for a job as a waiter. I did the training and... On my very first evening, the manager turned to the assistant manager and said, he won't last two days. And that's about 35 years ago. So <laughs> that's kind of where it's gone from there. Um, just just in terms of being a waiter, you I mean, we all go out. We all have waiters and waitresses and all the rest. And uh, is it is a very hard, exploitative existence? Oh, I don't quite see it as that. I see it as an opportunity for someone to earn money tax-free with little or no training. Right. So the one thing that the restaurant industry does that very few people will, will acknowledge is that they offer an opportunity to people with no work experience and no qualification. Right. Now, even to get a job at the bank, sweeping the floor, you probably need to have a matric. That's, they've got that as their minimum. So here's an industry that really does offer opportunity. Of course, there is some exploitation along the way, um, charging for breakages. Oh, I have to buy my uniform. Oh, they want to charge me for this. You do hear stories like that, but... On the whole, it's pretty. It's a pretty good place mm-hmm. to gain some life experience, gain some work experience, and earn some real money. A friend of mine who waited told me that he did eat leftover food when nobody was watching because he was that hungry. Have you ever done that? Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that one. You know, um, you, you see a lot of food coming back, but I don't think I was ever that hungry that I wanted to eat someone else's food. No, I must say it doesn't appeal to me. But I, I, I've never been that that hungry in my yeah, life. No, so. no. <laughs> Thank, thank God. Baruch Hashem. I've never been that hungry that I need to eat someone else's food off the plate. Mike, okay. So then now today you run your own market and digital company. I do, yes. And you offer advice to various big companies uh, on how to sell themselves, including, for example, uh, you mentioned Mug and Bean earlier. Well, I, I went off to open my own restaurants eventually, which was probably the, the best thing I ever did. And then in 2001, I returned to Johannesburg and wasn't actually sure what I was going to do with my life when I got a call from Ben Formalta, who at the time, I think Mug and Bean had six or eight shops, and he said to me, two questions for you, are you still employable and would you like a job? And I said to him, probably only by you, because you'll understand the kind of leeway you have to give me, and I took the position as the marketing manager at Mug and Bean. And this, for me, was a kind of life-changing experience. We started off with a budget of about 140,000 rand per year. Now, that doesn't even buy a series of radio ads nowadays. Um, and I think that's where I learned that marketing is about 
getting yourself out there, no matter what it took, uh, being different, standing out. Uh, it was the days before social media. Um, and it was those five or six years that really changed things for me. What did you learn? What was your key? Uh, yeah, everybody knows you've got to get yourself out there. Everybody knows you've got to be different. Okay. How? So, so <laughs> the first thing I learned was that – and and – can I use like bad language or should I'm I? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> Maybe right, well, you can use a euphemism for bad okay. language. <laughs> Anything that doesn't get results right. isn't really marketing. Okay. It's bull right. doo-doo. Right. And very expensive bull doo-doo at that. Right. So that was probably the first thing is understanding that marketing was about results. So I, I worked for a boss who had a big sign behind his desk because we put it there, which kind of said, I don't know what I like, but this isn't it. Right. So we got used to working with a guy who I'd put things in front of him and he'd just go, no. And I'd say, well, what don't you like about it? He'd go, I'd shake his head and say, no. So you're kind of working on trial and error. And then he always used to say the same thing to us. I want Megan Bean to be out there in front of everyone, but not so far out in front that nobody can recognize us. So it's this understanding that we had to be innovative all the time. But at the same time, we had to be recognizable. You had to know what we're doing and who we are. So sometimes when I see adverts, I think to myself, wow, that's really innovative, but it's completely lost on anyone. And one of the best examples of that was the series for Castrol. Remember the, 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 the two guys were sitting there and, um, the humor was quite high. Uh, I can't remember what they like, chuck us a can and, yeah, okay. and you remember that yeah, whole yeah, yeah. thing? It turned out that, that people that actually service their own cars, weren't quite getting that humor. The people that were loving the humor and hearing it were kind of going, going to a garage. The guy says, you need oil. You say, put in a pint of the best. So in this very careful balance of understanding who your target market is and how to talk to them. And what I've tried to do now is bring that into small businesses, whoever I'm dealing with, is to say to them, do you understand your target market? So step one is who do you want to get the message out to? Exactly. Step two, how do you get your message to them? Well, probably step two is actually what's the message? Oh, probably yeah, good point. So yes, let's right. go back a little bit and say, <laughs> so step number one is identifying your, your target, target market. market. Now, when I talk to small business owners and I say to them, who's your target market? I always get the same answer, which is everybody. Yeah. And I say, well, don't you at least mean everyone with money? <laughs> and they go like, yep. And then I go, well, don't you mean everyone with money who lives within a certain radius of you? And they go, oh, yep. I go, and don't you mean everyone who lives in the certain radius and uses this particular... And suddenly you're identifying who the market is. So your target market could best be described as the customer. If you put a photocopy of them into the photocopy machine and ran off a 100 of them, you'd be rich overnight. That's your ideal target market. But then you get this thing of, well, what about all the people I'm missing? We're not missing anyone. We're just we're fishing where the fish are. We haven't got that much money. We can't go chasing every customer. Shotgun marketing is not working for you. It's not working already. You know it isn't. So you identify your target market, then you decide what's the message. So who am I talking to? Do they understand humor? Do they want facts? Um, is pricing important? You start, you're trying to identify what it is that they want. What information are they looking for from you that you can pass on? Once you've got that, you then start deciding on the medium. Now, the medium right now is really which one can I afford? Yeah. You know, so I've always been saying that one of the things, if you remember from my talk, I say is we're in an age of, of less interruption marketing. We don't want to be interrupted with adverts. We're seeing it all the time. We're driving on the highway, a billboard. We're watching TV, an advert. Um, we're, we're open a magazine and the adverts start falling out onto our feet before you've even done it. 
But to the to High FM's credit, the one form of interruption marketing that is working is radio. Right. Because people don't switch channels as the advert comes on. And you don't quickly park your car and run to the garage into the bathroom like you'd at home when the advert comes on. So I do believe in radio as a fantastic means, and I'm hoping still affordable. I, right. and I'm, I'm, I'm not here to punt high on your rates, but if it's affordable, then I say to people, look at radio. Feel free to punt high. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Go, guys, it's phone. Okay. Phone, okay. phone now. <laughs> the, num- the number is. Um, um, so, yes, radio is a great means, but for most small businesses, the next thing is social media. They look at social media and they say, Oh, and and like the the bottom lip starts trembling and this like whole fear comes over them. And you say, well, what are you scared of? And they go, "Uh, uh, uh, I'm I'm scared I'm going to get it wrong. Well, don't be. Mm. If you get it wrong or you get it right, you're Mm. still going to get it out there. And you'll get better at it. So, I mean, just thinking back on that Autisay hosted um, talk that you gave, it was a lot of young one one person businesses. I think the majority of the people you were talking to were young. Yes. They were starting their own businesses. Um they were starting up and by themselves, small, small little things, and you were just helping them to design the basics as a web page, Facebook page, etc. Yes. So and you were saying at the time it's not that difficult and certainly the way you presented it it looked decidedly not only easy but a hang of a lot of fun and uh, lots of opportunity for creativity but obviously you've gone quite a journey through this time yes uh, look it's creativity doesn't come easily to everybody so a lot of people then say oh i'm not creative get some help um go on to google go on to youtube uh, watch a couple of videos see what's working out there what's not Copy a few people. It's it's really not that difficult. How is, how important is branding versus content in today's society? Is branding everything? Not certainly not everything. I think content's becoming more and more important. You think so? But but having a brand is important. You need to be identified as something. So, for example, if you're going to have an advert on 101.9 High FM, what are you going to tell them to do? You're going to say to them, "Call me or go to my website." When they go to the website, they actually better be a website. <laughs> that website right. actually should work, and particularly it should work on a mobile device because chances are I'm in my car when I hear the advert. I pick up my phone at the next robot because we never look at our phones when we're driving. Never, of course, ever. Never, ever, yes. Don't answer, tap on them, nothing. Nothing. So when we stop and we responsibly pull out our phone, we then type in the web address that we just heard. And we hope that it's there, and we mm. hope that the contact details there, and we hope that the information we're looking for there. So, you know, people say to me, oh, websites are kind of dead. No, they're not. Mm. Websites are Alive and well. all important. Just You have to have one, whether you're using it consistently, so you have a website. So another thing I learned on your old course, and it takes us back to the food industry, because I think it's something that you haven't managed to escape. No, and unfortunately no, not. No. And you'll always be somehow involved. You, in, you, you've owned a restaurant. And then the thing you said that also really kind of excited me is that you now offer as a separate service, entrepreneurial service, cooking at people's homes. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because that excited me enormously. Okay, so I've had a deep love for the restaurant industry for years and years and for entertaining, which is a big part of it. Um, and after I got married and have a daughter, I can't think of working every night in a restaurant. Right. And I wanted to bring this kind of love that I have for food and for entertaining because it's showmanship. So I came up with something called dude food. Um, and 
it's because I consider myself a dude, so to speak. It's right. No, there's no sexist connotation in that. In fact, when people ask me about sexist, I always say, well, what woman doesn't want two men at the same time? One to cook and one to clean. And if you can just get your husband to clean, I'll do all the, the cooking. cooking. Right. Um, so the idea is that I actually come to your house. We plan the menu together. It's all around dude food, which is meat, really well cooked. Uh, take your guests through a tour of what they're going to be eating, an explanation of, of why we've chosen those particular cuts of meat, how they're prepared, what goes into it. And hopefully what they do is they feel the love of the food in the eating. And it's just given me an opportunity to... And has it taken off? I mean, to what extent is... I mean, for me, somebody else cooking my food is like the ideal. It doesn't get better than that. But to what extent do people find it maybe intrusive or awkward or... No? Well, I mean, it's a new, it's a new concept. It's, yes? It is a new concept. So no, nobody does it on a daily basis. Right. Nobody wants someone in there. No okay. one wants someone coming into the house. But for a special occasion, if um, you're having a couple of work colleagues over and you really want to show off or there's a sports game and you want something really, really different, then that's where it is. The nice thing for me is it's, it's a hobby business. So actually, I don't want to cook every single night. <laughs> it's hard to say, gee, I don't want the business, but I really don't want to be busy every single night. I want to be able to select the gigs that I do. And then choose. And, and choose, so it's yes, a two yes. And, one. and while we are on the topic of food and restaurants, can we look at kosher restaurants? Well, let's look at restaurants in general, then I'll switch to okay. kosher restaurants. Um, it's extremely difficult out there for restaurants. It, it's... I write about this consistently. I'm putting out small videos all the time to my restaurants, clients, and friends. Um, profitability is at an all-time low. Expenses have gone through the roof. Restaurants are unable to keep up with the expenses. Um, it, it's Unfortunately, there's blood on the streets at the moment for restaurants. Um, all restaurants. All restaurants. Up market, down market, everywhere. There are... There are it's hard to say that anyone's really doing well. There are okay. a few. There are a few that are doing extremely well. Don't, don't take away from that. Like, can you say? Uh, yeah, probably guys like Marble. Some of the top okay. end restaurants are doing extremely well, and then some of the concepts, for example, let's say, uh, and Diccio seems mm -hmm. doing really well. There are concepts mm -hmm. that are doing. It's not. It's not like it's not everyone's dying, yeah. but it's extremely difficult. Um, so what's happened is, restaurants were always like this combination of fun and business. Right. And the switch is now more to business. You have to get the business side right. And then you look at a kosher restaurant and you realize that it's even harder for a kosher restaurant. First of all, they're closed for about 60 days of the year. Right. And if I told any business that for two months of the year they could earn absolutely no money but still had to pay all their expenses, you'd say to me, are you insane, Mark? I'm not getting into that business. So if you take the 52 uh, uh, Sabbaths, Add in a couple of uh, things like um, when you have to close over Pesach, suddenly you're up to 60 or 70 days that you close. So how do you make up for that? Then the input costs are extremely high on the kosher side. And that's a whole – I've seen a million articles about white chicken. It's so kosher. You know, I mean, it's expensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the bottom line is – It's expensive. It's expensive. Then – Regular restaurants rely very heavily on making up some of that shortfall in alcohol. Okay. Right. Now, you know, I remember growing up with a joke, how do you know the difference between a Jewish wedding and a non-Jewish wedding? At the Jewish wedding, there are 19 waiters and one barman, and at the non-Jewish wedding, there's 19 barmen and one waiter. Yeah, we, 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 Jews, we don't go out and drink 
copious amounts of alcohol in a kosher restaurant. Um, order sparkling water or maybe water by the jug, hold or the a, ice. Or a glass of wine. Or a, yeah, a glass, a, a of, glass wine. of wine. Not glass to say there's no yeah. drinking, but they, they miss out on that very important um, uh, income structure. And then, of course, they have to pay for the mishkiach. Mm. So that's added now. I've heard that you can you can find a mishkiach, you can double as your manager, you can work in the kitchen, but it is an expense that has to be added up. So what's happening is the pressure on kosher restaurants is even higher. And we saw two casualties this year. At the end of last year, we saw brioche clothes and friends. Yeah, and it's hard to imagine to the man in the street, how could friends close? Every mm. time you drove past, it looked full. Mm. The, the cars were always mm. piling up, but... That's the reality of where we are right now. So if anyone's listening here is thinking of opening a restaurant, slow down. So you wouldn't? Not right <laughs> now. No, no. I, I would. Possibly in the future. Yes, Because possibly. you bring the experience, you bring the knowledge, you bring the understanding, mm. you bring the passion. But you did say you are now a settled family man and yeah, running a right. restaurant would be. It's, it's extremely that's the difficult. Other, yes. That's the other consideration. Yeah. It takes. You so know, your retirement maybe. Ben from Alta used to always. No, hang on. When, when I owned my restaurant, people would come in and they said to me, when I retire, I'm going to own a restaurant. And I said, then when I retire, I'm not even going to eat anymore. I just don't <laughs> want to go near a restaurant. It's unbelievably hard work. And Ben yeah. from Malta used to always say to us, the problem with the restaurant industry is it takes your youth, takes your health, takes your family. You better make sure you know what you're getting back in return. Yeah. Well, on that very – well, no, not on that note, because I actually would like people to have contact details for you in case they'd like to learn more about websites and Marketing and branding. It was a hang of a good course. If you ever do it again, please let us know. Absolutely. Um, but any contact details or in with regard to food, your well, business? I would say the best is to find me on Facebook. I reply to that the easiest, just the at sign and then Mike said what? Mike said what? Yeah, Mike said what? <laughs> and if you are on Twitter, which not everyone is, it's Mike underscore said underscore what? But Facebook's the easiest. Send me a friend request. I apologize in advance. I'm an oversharer. Um, but I look forward to meeting you. And we are incredibly quick at getting back to people. I, I, I can best. also I can. testify for Thank that. Thank you very much. Yes. So thank you very much. Thanks for joining me. And thank good you. Luck. Thank you so much.